Praise God. All right, well, if you've got your Bibles with you today, have you open up to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. <clears throat> Let me pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of this gathering. Thank you for the hunger that you've put in our hearts, not just to talk about you, but to encounter you in a very personal and real way. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here today that is working mightily in each one of our lives. And I thank you for having your way today in this time of opening your word. I pray that your word would find its mark in each one of our lives. Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can make that happen. And so we just defer to you. We give ourselves to you this morning. We say, come and have your way, Lord, for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11 is where I'd like to launch off from this morning. <clears throat> it's just a snapshot in on the life of Moses and the relationship Moses has with God. I'm using this passage today to kind of follow through with some things we've been talking about you know uh, over some time now we've been on a theme of dealing with the zeal of the Lord and God's zeal for us for his work for his people we've looked at a lot of different aspects of that zeal and how that zeal is performing certain things in the earth today the Bible says the zeal of the Lord shall perform this God's burning desire and all that he's invested here, he's not about to just let it go to pot. Can you say amen? amen? He's got an absolute commitment to following through. He who has begun the good work is going to be faithful to finish it. And so uh, we've been talking about that. And last week we were talking about the zeal that, that, um, the zeal that forbids shortcuts. Remember that message? Shortcuts. Jesus goes into the temple, clears the money changers out, and, uh, and in one of the Gospels it says that he forbade those that were carrying vessels through the temple. Really the idea was that they were taking a shortcut. It was just not convenient to have to go all the way around the temple, so they were just coming through the temple. And Jesus calls, he said, this is the house of prayer. And you all have made it a den of thieves. And so he forbade them from interrupting by taking shortcuts this place that was set aside for fellowship with God, for communion with God, where the blessing of God and the purposes of God would be realized for the nation. And so we dealt with the idea that, um, you know, prayer and shortcuts do not mix. They do not mix. Many times we're tempted in moments of prayer because uh, of things that are more convenient or things that we've entertained that we shouldn't be, they interrupt a spot that belongs to God. And as a result, we suffer. And we spent some time, go out there, you can find the message if you weren't here on the internet. And, uh, but I want to kind of follow through with this idea of relationship with God, the importance of it, the top priority that it is and should be for all of us. And, uh, and also look at uh, how that practically plays out as it relates to where we stand in this generation and into the next to come. So here we are in Exodus 33. We're getting a glimpse of the life of Moses. This is 33:11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. I see two themes here, and that's what I want to kind of play off of as we move down through these verses today, but I think they're important themes to us. The first one is simple. It's that God longs, really, for an intimate, face-to-face -face kind of relationship with each one of us that could be characterized as a friendship. You know, not just like, the Lord and the servant, but a friendship. Jesus himself says, I've called you my, my friends. 
And this is burning in the heart of God. And I tell you, religion does not foster this. Religion, when I use that term, I'm using it in a, in a bad sense, where man-made traditions and stuff and men and organizations always put themselves between the individual and God. You've got to come through the person and the organization and all this stuff. And it's always creating distance, whereas God's about removing distance and bringing us into this thing we could call face-to-face. -face. It's, it's, it speaks of divine intimacy Nothing hindering the communion and the fellowship we have with God. That's burning in God's heart for us. Has been from eternity past. It's burning now in our generation. And I believe it's now beginning afresh in our generation to burn for Him. That we too, in like fashion, are responding. So I see these two themes. One is this face-to-face -face intimate relationship. And then as we just read, interesting thought attached in this verse... But we read that when Moses, after he would have these beautiful encounters with God and God would speak to him, Moses would leave the tent, but he had a young guy, you know, young is relative, because truth is Joshua came out of Egypt in his 40s, okay? But uh, he came up and he was considered young here to, in relationship to Moses, and he was his assistant, and it says that he would hang out there after Moses left. Now, I find that fascinating because what it talks to me about, and I think... God would speak to us about this today, is that we're called personally into face-to-face -face intimate relationship with God, but we're also called, come on, to bring somebody with us and then to make some room for them for their generation. To make some room for them for their generation. So in essence, there's time when we need to get out of the way a little bit and let them have some of the, some of the stuff. And many times we get all wrapped up around our stuff and we forget that God has this generational intention to pass along so this to me today is is uh, very important strategically um, for us as far as where we stand as a local church and what's next on the horizon face to face let's kind of start there and talk a little bit and then I'll hopefully by God's grace be able to attach these two themes this mentoring of the next generation with this face to face stuff so the word in the Hebrew, if you're interested, panem, uh, for face. <clears throat> it's an interesting word coming out of a root word. Obviously, it means face, but to the part of us that turns. The part of us that turns. So, if I was to say to you, everybody face forward, <laughs> you know? What I'd be asking you to do is turn forward. So, this word face means to, to point yourself or to turn toward something to face something all right that's kind of when it says face to face what we're really talking about is god pointing towards us come on and us turning and pointing toward god and having an eye-to-eye -eye direct kind of a gaze one on the other to turn to point yourself toward that's an important concept you know jesus as he was getting ready to give his life and sacrifice he, come on, he set his face, didn't he? He set his face to Jerusalem. We know that Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom, right? And he gazed upon the land, and then he pitched his tent. Let me just say it this way. Whatever you set your face toward is where you're heading. Wherever you set your face toward is where you're heading. So even though you might not be there yet, part of our invitation is go ahead and set your face toward God. And if we'll get our gaze where our gaze belongs, it won't be long and our feet will follow where our gaze has taken us. So it's about learn, learning to, to gaze, learning to stare, learning to long for His face, to see Him. I love the song we sang there at the end, soon and very soon. <laughs> soon and very soon. You know, soon we're going to see Him as he is and when we see him as he is we will be like him that's what the scripture says there's something about seeing him that has the power to transform us into his very image so question where is your face set right now what do you got your face set on Remember in the original context, original verse we read, it was about friendship. Moses had a face-to-face -face friendship with God. 
just a friendship. And you know, if you see God as this angry guy who's out to reprove your every mistake, you're not going to want to stare at his face a whole lot. You're not going to want to hang out with him a whole lot. I tell you, so many people are under a very condemning view of who God is. If God wanted to condemn you, he would not have sent his son to die for you. It's not God's will that any should perish, right? He wants to save us and redeem us. His heart is so for us to the point that he would give his absolute best to show us his love and to provide us a way to come face to face. We actually get to see the face of God as we stare at the face of Jesus, right? The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So to me, when we're talking about face to face, let's just kind of make it practical if we can. To me, this is about prayer and it's about worship. It's about, you know, being in the scripture. It's about taking time out to stare at um, and we have to use the means that we've been given. Prayer, worship, and the word are some of the major you know, instruments, if you will, for staring at God. You know, When you look into the scripture, uh, Jesus said, these are they which speak of me. They're, they're, they're unveiling of the person in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Right? So the scriptures are a powerful way to stare at his face. Practically speaking, if I'm going to seek his face, I'm going to develop a lifestyle that spends time in the word or allows the word. We live in such a neat time in history. You know, you can, you can get the Bible on your phone and, and listen as you drive. You can, I mean, I was thinking about that the other day, you know, how David and his tabernacle and the 24-7 worship and all that was going on. They had physical live musicians down there playing on shift work, rotating shift of musicians and priests that were you know, psalmist and so on. And they did that for 33 years. That was quite an endeavor, quite an undertaking. But I was thinking about today, here we have, you know, Pandora. And I, you know, you can just, if you don't know what that is, it's, you know, it's like a music app on your phone. And you can just kind of select your own radio stations and listen to worship nonstop. And you can pay a little price and get no ads. And in my opinion, it's worth it. Because I can't tell you how many times I've been in the glory of God. And hey, do you want to buy a car from Chevrolet? No, thank you. Not interested. No, no, no. <clears throat> but I'm just telling you, in our generation, you know, David, you know, he would personally worship seven times a day, the Bible says. He performed the vow of worship. And then, you know, no doubt there was times he would just go down and hang out in the tent, you know, and just listen to him. It was awesome. We have so much convenience and we neglect what we have. I mean, you could put it in your earbuds and just... You can go all day in some cases, you know, just depending on your work scenario and so on, but there's just places to receive and to be, to stare at, to gaze at, to participate with a beautiful God. It's, it's an amazing opportunity, which is one of the reasons I believe that in our generation we have a privilege and uh, opportunity, spiritually speaking, we can... We can put more logs on the fire, it would seem, in this generation if we'll pay attention to do it and come to a place that other generations have not been able to come if we want to saturate ourselves in the presence and in the, in the anointing of the Lord. So prayer and worship, face to face, and, and you know, hanging out, as I spoke last week, about not just getting out of your prayer time so quickly, you know, just because there's an interruption, a shortcut that's come along the path, to take you out of that place, but we need to, to hang out there. This burning desire of God is to have this time with us, this face-to-face -face fellowship, friendship time with us. And I find that that desire is a kingdom culture desire. I can find several of the uh, writers uh, in the New Testament apostles that shared this heart. Really, they were just simply carrying God's heart when they longed to be with the church face to face. Let me just read you a couple of these scriptures. This is 1 Thessalonians 2 and 17, beginning there. And uh, here Paul writes and says, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us for what is our hope or joy or crown or rejoicing 
Are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Let me just kind of summarize a couple thoughts here. Here Paul is saying, we long to come and be with you. Not, you know, through a writing or a letter. We want to be with you and see your face. Right? He's talking now, these are two human beings, one to another. But it's kingdom stuff. It's face stuff. It's face to face. It's what God had with Moses. And it's what he wants us to have with him and with one another. This, this, this where we're, we're actually slowing down enough to look at each other. You know? You ever just kind of look past one another? There is a, there's a tendency in our fast-paced culture to look past one another. And God's trying to get us into a posture where we long and see the value that comes out of face to face. And it's clear here in this text that, you know, he says, we tried to do this. We, we were taken away from you. You know, there was persecution going on. Paul had to flee for his life. He says, we, we, the devil was working hard against us. He's always trying to break and cut us off from God and from one another. Anything he can do to interrupt face to face, the devil's working it. And he's working it Hard. He says, we, we, we tried to come back to you, you know, on a couple different occasions. Satan hindered us. And then he attaches their visit or the idea of being with them face to face with this hope and this joy that by being together, somehow what would make them so happy is for them, this is about the mentoring side of things, that you one day would be found standing in the presence of God at his coming. So it's as if to say that our coming unto you, now this is the apostle that God had set aside, you know, he's saying for us to be in good fellowship and relationship has an end, and the end is us standing together in the presence of Jesus Christ, where the devil hasn't ripped us off and taken us out of our destiny in God. And I'm telling you, so much breakdown, relational breakdown with God and each other um, in this hour, and God's getting ready to remedy that stuff because he's going to have a people who see the value of face to face, where we start longing, longing, not just to talk to each other through a text message, praise God, but through a face to face encounter. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking about all this modern technology and the wonderful thing called FaceTime. FaceTime, and now most of you know what that is. Uh, maybe a few of you that are not up to speed on that stuff, but on a smartphone, or I don't know, is that just an Apple product? Yeah, I mean, you can Skype, which is kind of similar to FaceTime, but on, on an Apple product, uh, iPhone or whatever, you can do this thing called FaceTime, and if you've got a decent signal, right, you can, uh, <coughs> you can actually see the person on the other end, and they can see you, and you can talk. It's amazing. It's, it's like Star Trek. I mean, it's just, it's, that's amazing. And uh, we just we, we get to do it with our granddaughter, and it is it is just the coolest thing. She's just over there, and we're here, and we're just FaceTiming, you know. And uh, she is just a doll, and she just chatters away and whatever. And you know, and, and if you got a good internet connection, it's awesome. And if it's kind of sparse, you know, you kind of they freeze up every now and then. <laughs> you know, sounds like some of our church services. <laughs> you know. Connection kind of comes and go. But I was thinking about that, you know, so we recently, so Christy's, Christy's mom, we created an apartment over the garage for her. She's living there full time now. She's doing great with that. And her daughter, Christy's sister from Brazil was up. And uh, we don't have Wi-Fi up there in the apartment yet. It's at the house. And so the daughter is constantly using WhatsApp and these different things where she can, you know, back and forth with them. And she would have to come down to the house We'd find her every now and then sitting on the front porch, just using the Wi-Fi signal, you know, and communicating with her family. And we'd let her in if it was cold, you know, and that kind of thing. <laughs> just figured we'd show some good Southern hospitality to her. Yeah. But, you know, I was just thinking about, <clears throat> it just it, it, kind of the, the picture there for me was, um, you know, do what you can to get some FaceTime. Would to God that this church, by the way, had a good spiritual internet signal. That people would actually come here. Come on. 
to see the face of God. You know, maybe we can't get him yet live, like in person, like I'm talking about, like actually seeing Jesus standing in front of him. But I'm talking about an internet signal that's, that's the next best thing. I'm talking about a, 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 a spiritual atmosphere that you can get connected with and you can actually see him. You know? Wouldn't it be awesome if, if we could continue to um, boost the signal? boost the signal you know as we're a people of prayer and a people of his presence and a people that love to worship and a people that are not just playing church because i'm telling you playing church won't give you the signal necessary to see his face it just won't it's got to be more than that it's got to be a longing a friendship that's genuine and and that he likes to share his secrets with you know that's the whole uh, defining kind of element of friendship. I share my secrets with you. It's, it's more than just a casual relationship. There's a trust that's formed in that spot. I think if we'll be faithful to do that, like Christy's sister Pam, people are going to show up. It's evangelism. People longing because there's a presence that accompanies this place because God is present in this place. And that is something we should never take for granted. Never. It's a, it's a beautiful gift to us. The longing of face-to-face -face communion. 3 John chapter 1, really the only one there, verse 13 uh, Third John, the Apostle John, again, to me, this is a picture of the heart of God showing up in the Apostle. He says, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Doy, can't you hear the heart of God in that scripture? I, I, I can quickly take that from John talking to the church to God talking to us and hear God saying, you know, I'd rather not just have to write it in a book. I mean, I've been happy to do that for you. It's great to give you the information, but my heart's burning desire is to come soon and see you face to face. That's what's burning in the heart of God. I want to come to you. There's some things that God's probably not going to say to us until that time. Which should make all of us hungry for that time. God, I want to hear. I, you know, there's just some things that are just too intimate to speak through a text message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to you face to face. You see, every time we can do something face to face, it creates a whole new level of information that should be shared, that's appropriate to share. You know, there's some things, you've had these experiences, no doubt, where you have to talk to somebody about something very important, and you just don't want to do it, you know, through a text or, or even on a phone call. You just want to sit with them. You want to be with them because it's important stuff. I'm telling you, that same principle applies, and if we'll let God begin to woo us, and, you know, it, yeah, sure, it takes a little more time. It takes a little more time to have that kind of interaction. I get it. It's not just the quick, I'm going to read my, my paragraph devotional today. Thank God for them. And I, I've got my little 15-minute routine. I could do a lap, but I won't. And then I'm going to do my little verses. I get it. Amen. But I'm telling you, there's something more. There's something more. And God's calling us into it. He's saying, come. If you'll just create a little more room and, and open up, get creative with this. Make it your first priority, your highest priority. God says the rewards of friendship with God. I tell you what, we could go on for a while on this issue. The benefits of having God as your friend. They're huge. They're endless. They really are. They're eternal. <laughs> no doubt. 
God as your friend. I'm telling you, he's got anything and everything you could ever want and more. Things we've not even conceived in our hearts or our minds yet. But somehow, he feels at times a bit distant. And some of that distance, you know, has to fall on our shoulders. We have to own this part. This is face to face. To turn and to turn. You see? So half the equation's there on God's side and half's on our side. And the question is, are we willing to turn to see him? Are we willing to make that adjustment to see him? And in doing so, we can find him in a fantastic, beautiful way. So here John says, I have much to write to you, but I don't want to do it this way with a pen and with ink. I want to do it face to face. I'm longing for that. And then he says, peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Now, I just, I appreciate you just giving me a little, little room here, but I, uh, I love this because, yes, it's a natural letter between a, a human, an apostle, John, and the church that he's ministering to here in this particular letter. It's very personal, right? It's very intimate. It's the, it shows the longing of God's heart for face-to-face communion and what's involved and the benefits of that. But he's also seemingly to, he's seeming to acknowledge that at the moment... There is a gap here, and there's a little frustration that occurs at times. And he says, peace be to you. I want you to be at peace in the midst of this distance that we're experiencing. It's not quite yet consummated. Everything's not yet where it needs to be. And he says, but I just want to, want to say to you, you know, the friends over on this side where I'm at are greeting you. And uh, I, I'm asking you to greet those on your side and do it by name. Let it be intimate and personal, not just surfacy. And I couldn't help, and just bear with me for a second, but I couldn't help but think when you take this picture and you, and you hand it over to the idea of God and the church and how he's longing to be with us and longing to see us, you know, come on, the day is coming when we actually are going to see him face to face. That day is coming, right? And we're, and we're longing for that. And, and if we have to FaceTime right now, we'll FaceTime right now. But we're longing for the actual day, right? Face to face. And he says, in the, kind of in the interim, if you can take this idea with me, be at peace. And by the way, everybody over on this side of glory, come on, those of you that had loved ones that have passed on, all the friends over here are greeting you. <laughs> oh, come on, hear me. There's comfort in this scripture. They're greeting you. And, 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 they, and they want you to, to, to greet everybody there by name, intimately. I haven't forgotten you. I know where you are. We're, we, we, we so long for this coming reunion when we're all going to see again as we're seen and know as we're known. God's kingdom culture, not distant, not convenient, costly, extremely valuable when entered into. And I believe, like Moses, we started in the beginning, go to that tent, and he had a relationship with God that was face to face. He came out of that tent, the friend of God, and knowing the will of God for the people he was responsible for. Face to face. It's where you get changed, you know. I'll just give you some references here. Genesis 32, verse 30. Jacob wrestles with a man And in verse 30, Jacob called the name of the place Penal. He says, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penal, the sun rose upon him, and he limped upon his thigh. I'm sorry, I said Genesis 32, 30, and 31. You're welcome. 
So here he has this encounter with God. It's a wrestling match with God. God wins, as he does. And, uh, <clears throat> but he acknowledges, I've just had a face-to-face -face encounter with God, and my life has been preserved. It's a miracle because no man can see God and live. And there's a message all by itself in that. Part of us is going to have to die, so the real part that God's after can come forth. But that said, he says, I've seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And then he says, after that moment, he limped the rest of his life. He was changed by the experience. And, you know, sometimes we do so many things, don't we, to try to change and better ourselves. There's a lot of good stuff out there, a lot of great books you can read, things about you know, um, self-disciplines and, uh, you know, you name it. There's all kinds of four points on how to do something, right? And if you've got an area. But I'm telling you, there's nothing that'll change you more. There's no better catalyst for change than to be face-to-face -face with God. That is the program as far as heaven is concerned. You just get some face time with God. In that place... Seeing him will alter the way you see yourself. It will reshape your thoughts about yourself. Things that we've bought into that are lies about us and areas of insecurities and fears and all kinds of things, they wash away in the glory of the face of Jesus and the face of God. It's the most productive time you'll spend anywhere. It just is. And I'm by no means saying you shouldn't read some of those good books out there, but I'm telling you, don't ever trade them for the face-to-face -face encounter with God. You know, at times I stand up here week after week, <laughs> probably sound like a broken record to some of you, but I tell you, it burns in me for our generation. I believe God is calling us as a part of a great company of people, whosoever will, let him hear what the Spirit has saying. So I've just decided, I'm just going to cast seed, and I'm going to let God land it where he will. It's, on your, it's your job and my job to have a heart ready to receive the seed and decide whether that's God or not, and if it is, what you're going to do with it. If you're going to actually take some time to water it, take some time. You know, the Scripture says that the fool does not roast what he took while he went hunting. The fool does not roast what he gets when he goes hunting. And so I would hope that when you come to church, you're hunting. I hope you come looking for something. I hope that you're hoping to bring something home with you. But don't just write it down in a notepad and take it home and don't roast it. Because you know what it'll do? It'll breed worms, honey. It's supposed to be cooked and digested and made a part of you. That's what it's supposed to do. God forbid that we be considered fools who don't roast. And I, I over the years, trust me, I can speak this because I've done this. I've not, at times, processed very important things God was speaking. And uh, I'm really trying to mend my ways on this issue. It's where change comes from. And God, we need some change. We need some change. Seeing his face. So, started off by saying there was two kind of themes there, right? This friendship calling that God has for each one of us, and then this idea of mentoring and, and bringing someone along. I found that a fascinating verse of Scripture, how Joshua, the young man, the assistant to Moses, would go with him on his way to face-to-face -to -face with God. He, would, he was a part of that. And uh, obviously, you know, probably not sitting in the exact same room with the exact same... But, but he was there, right? He was there with him. And then when Moses would come out of that place, his personal walk with God, Joshua was granted permission and perhaps command to actually stay there when Moses would come away. You say, well, why would Moses ever go away? Well, he did have things he had to do administratively for a couple million people. No big deal. You know, just a couple people he had to take care of every now and then. 
And he would come to that tent and he would just be with God, like Jesus would go into the mountain, pray and come out in miracles and signs and wonders. It was that kind of... But, but, but I believe by leaving the tent, what he was really doing was creating an opportunity for someone who had been watching him model something for him. So to me, this idea is important because if we're not careful, we'll all just get old and this place will die. I, I could have got a better amen from the older section. Amen. That happens. Churches love one another. They get old together. And then they die off together. Pretty blunt, pretty straight up, but it's the way it is. And part of the reason is because they've not intentionally made room. You know, and, and by the way, this lands on both generations. Moses had an assistant, Joshua, who came with him. The younger generation is called to serve. The older generation is modeling while they're serving. And they're modeling something very important, which is face-to-face -face friendship. And then the older generation needs to know how to get out of the way and let the younger generation step in and do what they were just doing. Amen. Amen. And if we're not willing to do that, we're going to miss the boat altogether. And I've just decided I'm not missing the boat. Amen. You know, true success has successors. True success has successors. If you don't have someone succeeding you, you have not been a success in your life. So here's an interesting picture, Genesis 43. <clears throat> Jacob and his sons, there's been a severe famine in the land. Joseph, who his brothers sold into slavery, has been in Egypt, and God has raised him up as Pharaoh's right-hand man. And God is using a famine to reconcile a family. Now there's a word. God using a famine to reconcile a family. And uh, verse 1, Genesis 43, now the famine was severe. Let me just stop for a second because I just feel the Holy Ghost telling me here. I, ha I have no idea who that in particular is for, but somebody in this room, I believe, is experiencing a very difficult famine kind of experience in their life. And God says the famine is going to move you and restore your family. It's going to bring a reconciliation. Though it seems like the very thing that's going to kill you, the Lord would say, it's the very thing that's going to heal you and your family. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> now the famine was severe in the land. And when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, now remember the story, you know, Jacob has sent his sons to Egypt to buy some food, and they went there, and Joseph, who was their son, or it was Jacob's son, but, you know, the brothers, I don't have time to tell the whole story, I hope you know it. <laughs> if, don't, if you don't, read your Bible, Okay. It's a great story. But, but they've already gone down here to get some food, and they've come back, and these brothers don't know that the guy that handed them the food is actually their brother Joseph that they betrayed and sold into slavery. They thought he was dead. He was sold out. They didn't know where he was. But God has raised him up, and he's dressed up in you know, Egyptian garb probably, and it's been some time, and they don't, they don't know that it's him. But Joseph, who's on the inside where all the provision is, knows that these are his brethren, and they've come to him, and, they've, and they've had, they're desperate, and they've needed food, and so he sets this thing up in such a way, and he finally asks them because they didn't have their little brother Benjamin with them. And he says, don't, do you have any other? Well, we've got one guy, his name's Benjamin. And, uh, and he says, okay, well, here, you go back and you know, give greetings to your father and whatever. Um, but don't come back here. Don't, don't ever come back here without your little brother. 
Okay, that's, what, that's the point. That's what we're getting ready to read here. So what's going on? They had this famine. And then Jacob, they run out of the food. They got the first go around. Are you with me? And now they're getting ready. He says, go again and buy us a little more food. That's what Jacob, the father, says. But Judah said to him, the man solemnly warned us, saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you some more food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. You will not see my face unless your brother is with you. You know, I was reading this story and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and quickened this verse to me in a unique way. He was saying, you know, Many times in this pursuit of face-to-face with God, you know, it's such a beautiful story if you were taking it and as an allegory or analogy. Uh, clearly, Joseph is like Jesus who's gone before his brethren. He was betrayed by his brethren. You know, he's out there in front of us. It's such a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for us and so on, wearing the coat of many colors and all that good stuff. And uh, so when you think about this particular passage of Scripture and you see you see these guys, you know, saying, he, basically, Joseph says, don't come back here without y- the young guy, Benjamin. You can't come back to see my face. And in our pursuit of God and seeing his face, I think there's a moment, now check this out, I think there's a moment where God says, you know what, if you really want to see my face again, you got to bring your brethren with you. You, you got to do this. You got to bring your brethren with you. If you really want to see my face, you know, I'll do this a couple times with you. We can work this out a little bit along the way. But ultimately, where I'm bringing you to, and, and he says, I want you to come with your brother, not by yourself. Oh, my gosh. You mean I got to go down there and deal with all those relational things? I got to deal with my own heart. I got to deal with the fact that we schemed and scammed and did some stuff that kind of made that hard to do nowadays. And I got to fix all that stuff. And mm-hmm. It's like God is saying, if you want to see my face, and by the way, attached to my face is food. Attached to my face is prosperity and blessing. And how, how come on, how bad is the famine? How bad is the famine? Well, you know what? I think we could, we could eat some of that grass, couldn't I mean, I mean, churches are stooping so low because they're not willing to deal with the brother that they have been ashamed to admit what they've done. And we suffer through all this stuff just because we won't step up and do what we're supposed to do as it relates to our brethren that he wants to see. So they have to make this appeal. They said, you know, to their father, Jacob, the, the bottom line is we're not, going, we're not going back there. It's like this interaction with, that, that says, unless he comes. And by the way, I'll commit to keep him safe. <laughs> I'll lay my life. I'll guarantee his safety. And, and okay, we're, we're going to do this thing. We're going to bring our brethren. And it's not just the brethren. It's the youngest of them all. I, th- I see it as a picture of the next generation. It's almost as if the Lord would say to us today, if you can hear this, you know, if you want to come see my face, don't come without the young generation. Don't come without the next generation. Bring them with you. Got to bring them with you. You know, Benjamin, when he was being born, he was, he was the, he, I mean, to Jacob, he, he was the darling. He was, he was his, his beloved wife, Rachel's child that she had and died while having him. She perished in childbearing. And as Benjamin, so, so to, to Jacob, this was like, a, a sign of his wife that he loved so dearly, Rachel. And, 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 and as she was dying, she names him Benoni, the son of my sorrows. And Jacob intervenes and says, no, 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 no. His name is Benjamin, the son of my right hand. That's who he is. And I'm telling you, God has a mark on this generation The devil has wanted to say they're the son of the sorrows. 
But God has said, no, they're the sons and daughters of my right hand. And I'm waiting for somebody to bring them along with them to see my face. It's like Moses having Joshua beside him. Face to face. I'm going to see your face, but I'm not coming alone. I don't want to just get religion. I don't want to just get die off in my own gray hair, in my own worship experience. Come on. We have got to intentionally contend for the next generation. We've got to model something worth having for them. Did you know they were born for this time? Just like you were born for your season and I for my season. Uh, this generation was born for this time. But they're longing for mentors. They're longing for somebody who will take them into the presence of God. They're longing for somebody who will help discipline them in service. Amen. And then they're longing for somebody to leave the tent so they can hang out a while. Make some room. When I say leave the tent, I'm talking about create some space for them. Let them have some room to begin to take the baton and run. You won't see my face if you don't bring him with you. I believe the Spirit of God is in that and is speaking it to us in a very practical way. I know many of you know this principle. I'm almost done for today. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul here. Paul speaking to his beloved son in the faith, Timothy. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now think of the cross-generational nature of that statement. He says, Timothy, my son, not just my servant or my attendant, like, you know, my son. Timothy, my son. The things you've heard of me, like when you've been with me and you've walked with me and you've witnessed my manner of conduct and the such. He says, those things, here's what I want you, I'm charging you, Timothy, and this is on us, everyone here. Please, please hear me. We are supposed to be modeling and charging the next generation with something. He says, the things you've witnessed in me and heard of me, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to do the same for someone else. Come on. Who will be able to do the same for someone else. It's a cultural thing that says it should not die in your generation. It should be handed off. It's a beautiful, simple picture. But I'm telling you, it doesn't come automatically. It has to be gone after. And I believe it's the reason the Lord is speaking to us today. Now, you might not agree, but amen. Take it up with God. I'm just the message boy. Amen. And I believe that God is calling this generation um, to hand the baton and to get better and better at it. I also believe, like we read you know, earlier on, where Paul says, it is our joy. Here's our rejoicing. To know, I'm just paraphrasing, but to know that we've successfully handed to you what we've been carrying and that you, as a result, will be able to stand in the presence of God at His coming. You're not just standing in some religious organization. You're not just standing in some you know, movement that got a bunch of people excited. You're able to stand in the presence of God when He appears. That's because you've been a part of a culture that's made it their life pursuit to stand in the presence of God in their generation. So, everybody said amen. amen. Father, thank you today. Lord, thanks for just opening to us a very unique part of your heart.
that calls us to face to face, Lord, to turn as our first priority toward you and, and to be a friend with you. First order of business, most important order of business. And I want to thank you for that calling. I want to thank you for that experience. I want to thank you that this congregation already embraces those ideas and that you're, you're fanning that flame even more and more. I want to thank you for all of that, Lord. Thank you today that you would even call us friends, <laughs> that you would even uh, invite us to your tent and the place of meeting to worship and pray and just to be with you. I thank you for all of that. I also want to thank you for uh, the next generation that you've called alongside, those that are, are, that are just now coming into their own. They're just trying to figure out what this is all about, Lord. Uh, the young, the teenagers and the younger children and the young adults, Lord, that are, that are there waiting needing to see something worth having. I want to thank you for them today. God, I want to thank you for placing that servant's heart inside of them like Joshua was to Moses. And I want to thank you, Lord, for the grace to make a place for them. Grace to make a place. God, I want to thank you that it is your longing for this to be the case. There would be no hindrances that we could see you as you are and be changed because we've been with you. And Lord, I do pray that, that this local church would continue to grow in its spiritual internet connection. I don't know how else to say it, Lord. That this would be a place where when we step in here, we could hook up and see you and, and, and behold you and others that come, Lord, they would come because they've heard there's a good signal here. They've heard there's a good connection here. They've heard that they can, they can actually encounter you here in, in not just a distant kind of way, but a very intimate way. God, I want to thank you for, for that grace upon us and I'm asking, Lord, that you would grow the grace for Jesus' sake and for our sake and for the sake of those that are coming. I want to thank you for that. And Lord, I, I do just today just speak a blessing over this congregation. Make your face to shine upon us. Be gracious to us, Lord. Lift your countenance upon us and give us your peace. In Jesus' beautiful and powerful name I pray. Amen and amen. Jennifer, could I ask you, the team, to come? Can we just close out with that song soon and very soon?